Everything from overlanding in your stock rig to full-on Ellis-powered two buggies on stickies. This is the Total Off-Road Podcast. I'm Derek. I'm also Derek, and this is episode 178. Wow, there's two Derek. <laughs> is that Maximum Derek? It's Maximum Derek. Just kidding, it's Mike. I think they knew, but if you're new, then you wouldn't know. So welcome Yeah, to the you podcast. just saw there were two Dereks. Yeah, for like 18 seconds. Uh, or whatever it ended. We're just joshing you. We're just joshing. Well, no, we're not Josh, though. We're Derricking you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yep. Uh, That's how this podcast is going, Derek. It is. It is. Dogs barking in the background. I can't hear that blowing. because of noise suppression. Hell yeah. Good job, noise suppression from Discord. Yeah. I wish we were plug. I wish we were sponsored. We should get wouldn't, Discord. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't be nice. Would be nice. I'm not recording this on Audacity, so hopefully Craig is recording us. <sighs> yeah, we got to be careful when we say his name. Kyle was saying that we that sometimes he can like respond to voice commands, so don't say Craig too loud or something. I, I mean, it'll tell us when it says stop recording. I see, I see, it says recording in the chat, so I think we're good. So just now, when you said to not do that anymore, it didn't stop. Uh, correct. Okay, just making sure. Maybe we should start Audacity just in case. I mean, I guess it wouldn't be the worst idea in the world. Even though Kyle will hate it. Yeah, well, we don't have to. If, if Craig works, then we don't have to do anything. I'm just going to hit record and we'll figure it out later if we have to do something with it. Yep. You want to three, two, one it or something? No, nah, I already did it. Okay, it's just going then. <laughs> I guess we'll see how this goes. We will. All right. All right. Everybody, welcome to the podcast this week. Uh, Mike, would you do anything off-road related? Anything fun? Well, you know me. I don't do a whole lot of off-road anything, but I did put a radio in my truck. Actually, I re-put a radio in my truck. My, uh, my SD card, my internal SD card of my Pioneer. Shoot, I don't even know what it is. 8600 something. It's a really fancy, like, navigation android auto whatever blah 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 doubled in in my daily uh the sd card fried and it would just like load the pioneer screen and then it would just reboot over and over well i sent it into pioneer and they fixed it it was a couple hundred bucks but hey no big deal it's like an 800 dollars radio and uh i got it back and i put it in several times because i kept either not plugging something in or not quite getting it installed right it just i've had it in and out of there three or four times it's very irritating yeah it sounds irritating but it's finally in, and I think everything's working, and uh, I'm I'm back at it. It was getting really annoying getting into my truck every day, taking the phone case off, plugging in the aux cord, and like opening an app and playing music, and then start driving. God. Yeah. Wait, you said it has Android Auto on it, right? It does. So you couldn't play. Oh, that's the aux cord that you're talking about. Not like no, a no, no, no. My radio was sent off to Pioneer, so I put the oh. factory radio back in for the last two weeks, and it's I got been it. I real got it. irritating. Yeah, that's pretty irritating. Especially, yeah. yeah. I mean, it wouldn't even work for me. I don't even have a headphone jack on my phone. I do, fortunately, but the 08, I took the antenna off because shaved antenna life, bro. Yeah. And so I don't pick up any local radio stations, even though they kind of suck here anyway. Uh <laughs> So I could get like maybe one station kind of staticky without an antenna. And I was like, nah. So I've yeah. been listening to internet radio. Wait, you didn't like relocate your antenna? You know, I, I tried actually. I, I oh, took yeah? the antenna mount out of the fender 
and I tried, but the cable wasn't long enough for me to stretch it to oh. get it under the hood. Because in the 91, that's what I did. I took it out of the fender when I shaved it, and I mounted it under the hood. And reception was okay-ish, but there just wasn't enough slack in the cable to get it there. So I ended up just giving up and saying, oh, well. Yeah, that's how I did mine on, on my 01. Like, I just, like, I think I got, like, an L bracket from Home Depot, and you just, like, put it at a 90 degree. Or like exactly. you bend it whatever angle you want. And like you said, it gets okay reception. Um and back in the day when I actually listened to the radio, it was like kind of annoying when you'd be like, I used to get reception here. Mm. And then I and I haven't listened to the radio and good lord. I don't even I don't I don't even know what stations there are out here in California for So when you're driving, do you use a strictly internet radio? Like through your phone? Like do you Bluetooth in or Yep. Yep, Bluetooth radio only so one of the issues here is where i live there's no reception like even at my house zero bars doesn't matter who you are i don't you've never been to our house have you yeah i have have you one time right before like right after you guys moved in i came down for your birthday oh yeah i remember that because you and me and elliot went out and got some food we got beers that's a good time (laughs) he did too but we just won't say it on the podcast oh wait i just said it on the podcast (laughs) so anyway There's no service here. Like, it doesn't matter who you are. People are like, oh, I'm sure that I have Verizon. I'll have service there. And they're like, no, I don't have any bars. And I have AT&T. And I don't have any bars. And T-Mobile and blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Nobody has any service. So if I load XM, like this is when I was using it through my aux cord. If I load it before I leave the garage, it has just enough buffering to like almost get me to another place where there's service. So it only like stops playing for a few seconds. But if I don't start the app until after I've left my driveway, I have to go like five or 10 minutes with just nothing. That sucks. Yeah, I, I have like um on Spotify, I have it set to all all songs that I like. It will download when I'm on Wi-Fi. Interesting. And so I have like 800 smud songs that are just on the phone all the time. Um, and so like if it doesn't have signal, which is rare, but if it doesn't have signal, it'll just default to those songs, which is nice. That's kind of cool. And they don't take up too much space. I think it's like less than a gig for 800 songs or. Now that seems wrong. Three gigs, something like that. It's it's worth it, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. I get what you're uh, saying. So look into it. Maybe I might. Some, maybe you can get some stuff on your phone, and then I still like the fact. I well, I subscribe to XM, which is nice because you can use it both as your internet radio and as satellite radio. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's just good for everything. There's no ads, so I can listen to just anything, anywhere, ever. But the thing I like most about it is even if there's no signal and you're in the middle of nowhere, you always have the radio. Because as long as you're hitting a satellite, you're good to go. So unless there's like a building blocking you or you're in a tunnel, yeah. you're good to go. Do you have an XM antenna in your truck then? Yeah. So when I oh, put okay. the, the Pioneer radio back in, I just actually recently did this. I was using the factory XM tuner. So all the controls for the XM weren't through the radio. Even though it was XM ready, it was through the instrument cluster. And so no. where the odometer, like picture your odometer on your like your 01. Mm-hmm. except for it had this little tiny <laughs> driver information center and it would like say the name of the song like yeah. for like one second when it would start playing <laughs> and you yeah. had to use the steering wheel controls to change it and that got real yeah. irritating yeah. because the song would be playing i'm like i wonder what this is and there's no way to check so recently i installed an xm tuner and i pulled the plug off the factory one and plugged it into the xm tuner designed for aftermarket radios so i'm using the factory antenna an aftermarket tuner and an aftermarket radio. And now everything is through the radio. Do the steering wheel controls work with your radio? or They do still work. I nice. bought an integration unit, which was expensive and difficult to install, but it's done now. Nice. That's awesome. That's yeah, super so clean. 
yeah, it, it really is. It integrates everything. I even took the factory uh, microphone out, like it's in the upper console, like above you, and I put the head unit's microphone in that same spot and ran the wires nice. down. So, That's yeah, dope. it's like totally clean. Super clean. I love um, it. I've I just been... hate installing oh. it. God, I hate it installing yeah, it. Sucks, sucks. But now that it's done, it's great. Foreshadowing for later. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, did you do anything else that you want to talk about? Before I jump into Not my really. That's, that's, that's all of my truck shenanigans that I've done at all, okay. other than work on other people's cars. I've been fixing things on my truck that are like not preventing me from going wheeling, but they sure would be nice. It sure would be nice if I fixed them before I went wheeling again. The last time I went out, uh, had the wire fire. Um, and it took out, well, there were two things that happened that took out my front locker actuation system. So, um, the first, before the fire even happened, um, I used like a CO2 regulator and a paintball canister to actuate my ox locker. Um, and it's nice because like, that'll do like hundreds, if not uh, close to a thousand on off actuations of the locker. Cause it doesn't need really much, like, yeah, I did the math. Even if I'm like way off, it's like at least two or three hundred. Um, how think, big is a CO2 canister for uh, one of those? Like Tiny, like the size of a soda can? Like, yeah, I don't like, know. It's oh, like okay. three soda cans. Got it. So like, or like a 24 ounce tall boy, like a Got it. Ch- chunky tall boy. Um, and so it doesn't take up a lot of space. You can stick it under the hood. Like, yeah. it's fine. Not a lot of wiring or, or plumbing rather. Um, but I didn't want to run like airlines into the cab and have like a dumb like air switch. And so I ran uh, an electric air solenoid right next to the fuse block um, with some wires that go into the cab to an electric switch. And um, where am I going with this? Uh, then I run the CO2 line to the solenoid and then from the solenoid straight to the locker. And it works great. So cool. um, I use a regulator from, I guess it's for like beer, like home brewing or home tapping of kegs. Okay. So like a C, like a paintball canister, I guess will like fill a keg or, or push a keg out of Interesting. beer or maybe more than one probably. Um, and um, so it's not really designed for automotive application. So this has never happened before, but when I went off-roading, we were just driving and like I hear, then it sounded like a tire blew and I was like, no terrible get out i'm like how is it still going and i'm like i realize it's not coming from the tire it's under the hood so we pop the hood and i'm like oh it's the like the 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 regulator had turned on the co2 canister just enough like vibration and stuff that it was like bleeding all of the co2 like still the button kind of like a schrader valve was still depressed but all of the co2 was just bleeding out um and so i had no co2 um so to fix that, I took the regulator, drilled and tapped a hole in the side of it, and now I'm just gonna like put a sideways set screw into it so that yeah. it doesn't spin off next time. And that should solve that. Um I haven't gotten new I haven't gotten the paintball canister refilled yet. I gotta find a place. Um but uh I did get a new well, I did <laughs> unrelated to that, but still related to gases. Uh I left my valve open on my welding tank now fortunately it was very low but i came back i was looking at it in the garage when i was cleaning up one day and i'm like that's a zero and i like 
feel the thing and i'm like it's open i'm like son of a mm. bitch it just like, slowly leached out all the c25 damn it so i went and got a new welding or i exchanged my welding tank 330 dollars later back up and running um don't have any welding projects but you know it's one of those things where it's like i better have this for when i need to weld oh for sure <laughs> so just pulled the trigger on that today and then that's expensive yeah it's it's not cheap um i don't know if welding gas has gone up or it's because of california or both but i think do when you I got remember it, how much it was to get it filled in illinois because i, I haven't think, done it since i lived there yeah i think it was like 230 in chicago if i remember that still sounds high though yeah i mean when i first got the it's a 150 cube or whatever or 175 scff SC- is it like four feet tall like four and a half. Yeah, I think that's the one yeah. I have too. Yeah. Um and it like I it, I it probably lasted me five years. So I guess oh, yeah. dollars per year is not that much, but I mean it's not the time, it's the amount of welding you do, right? So but it did the whole like belly skids and wheelbase shortening and bed shortening and maybe roll cage too. So like I mean Damn. That's pretty good. Um I feel like I ran out after I did the flatbed. I feel like in the middle of that project, I had to go get another tank. Maybe not in the middle of the project, nearing the end of the project, but it did almost the whole flatbed. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of of gas. So fortunately, it'll last me a long time as long as I don't leave the fucking valve open. Which you need to put like a sign on the on the garage, like on the door as you're walking into the house. It says like turn off valve or just like turn off or something. Yeah. Or hey, Derek, did you turn everything off? Yeah. Right. I mean, it's so it sucks. I, I used to like roll the welder out and whenever I would roll it back in, I would automatically just turn the mm-hmm. valve. Now the welder doesn't move unless like I got to like, like take it to like the front or, you know, move it. And no, so I, get you. I gotta be careful if I'm welding on the, on the bench in the garage. Cause, For sure. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, oh fuck. What else did I do? Um, cleaned and re-spooled the winch line. Um, I don't know. It, I think it, it probably just needed to be respooled because it wasn't that dirty. But I was like, I couldn't remember if it got dirty, and I had clean and respool winch line on my to do list, so I just did it. So I did um, that once a long time ago, and I remember I spooled it all the way out. Like I hooked it to something and backed the truck like I don't know, hundred feet away, whatever it was. And I remember like rinsing it out with a hose. I remember letting it dry, but I don't remember how long I let it dry. How long do you let that dry before you spool it back in? I. It was still damp when I spooled it back in today, which is probably a no-no. But I washed it last night. I like Mold. slung it, slung it from. But it, I mean, it's getting wet whenever I drive, right? So Mold. I don't know. Um, compressed mold. Compressed mold. Well, fortunately, I'll be going <laughs> off-roading in a month or two, so I'll find fine. out. I'll find out if it's moldy or not. I don't think nylon molds. Maybe not. No, I, I would say I, dirt. I bet it's it does. The, it's the dirt in the nylon that you didn't clean out. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know um, either. I probably could have like I did it today. I probably could have waited one more day and it would have been fully dry, but whatever. I was impatient. I wanted to get it done, so I had one more thing that I did before the podcast. Shame, shame. Uh, and then the thing that took me the longest was redoing. Oh no! And then I also fixed the melted airlocker lines, which turns out I had enough slack. I just cut off the end and shoved it back melted. into the solenoid. Yeah. How did you the, manage? When the, so when I went to Hollister, almost caught my truck on fire because 
the rock light circuit, which it doesn't matter if it was rock lights or not, but I had a like nylite relay kit that has a fused relay that you give it 12 volts. And then it has a switch that goes into the cab and the switch has a light um, that turns on when you turn the rock lights on or whatever. And so the way it works is there's a always hot wire going to the switch and when you and a ground and then a relay trigger. And so when you flip the switch, it gives power and ground to the light and then it also sends the relay trigger to turn mm-hmm. the relay on. And the whole thing, all of that is fused with a 25 or 30 amp fuse, doesn't matter. Um, but the problem with that design is that the um, wires going to the switch are really small gauge. And so they can't take 30 amps or whatever it is before they start to melt. And so they didn't melt the fuse, they just started to burn and they became a fuse themselves. And so like it melts. So you needed like a three amp fuse on that little tiny wire. Exactly. And so now it has that because I (laughs) I bought the same kit or I had already owned an extra kit. I was going to use it for something else. Um, And I put two, I I wasn't sure if, so one of them is hot always. And then another one is hot when the rock lights are on. And I tried like figuring out how many amps my rock lights pull and I couldn't do it because it was too many amps for the, the fuses in my like, uh, multimeter or whatever, like it blew those fuses, so it's more than ten amps. Um, but yeah, so bottom line is, I put one on both the hot and the relay trigger. I put a three amp fuse in line with it because I was like, I don't know if it's enough current to blow the twenty five or thirty amp fuse or whatever the whole circuit is protected with. So speaking so, of fuses. You know how I did a dual battery setup on the 94 show day, the Chevy, whatever you want to call it. So I think that I'm going directly from the battery, like to the relay. So like to the fuse and then in and out of the two, I think 200 amp fuses into the thing and then back from the other one to the other battery. But I think that the only fuses in that system are the fuses, like the 200 amp, like alternator fuses. Is that, is that enough? Do I need to have like other fuses somewhere? But also if I don't, or if I put a smaller fuse, it would probably just pop because that whole circuit has like at least a hundred amps going through it because it's charging both batteries. Right. So Uh, is that all I need or is there something I'm missing? Like, should I have a fuse on say the trigger wire going to turn the solenoid on? Maybe, maybe maybe I already do have a fuse on it. You might already have it fused. Um, Can't remember. I mean, hopefully I do look at the way like any oem switches are wired like they have they have a fuse in line with them unless they're going through a bcm and then the bcm is fused or whatever right yeah so that's why cars have so many freaking fuses and some of them are like five amps is because like it's like this wire goes all the way to the back of the car but like Mm -hmm. we can't let that one burn either right um totally true so when i did my dual battery setup and mine's just in parallel i just threw a fuse as close as i could to the hot wire on the second battery um, and I think the main battery has like a fusible link from the factory, so I just left that. Yeah, but, yeah, definitely. It has a. Yeah. 
I don't know. The no. whole thing is just kind of sketchy because it's sitting on the fender. Like it's mounted to a plate, but of course the plate's made of steel. And like it's all just sitting there and all this stuff is hot. But there's nothing like covering the whole assembly. It's like like the solenoid and all the wires and everything are just kind of hanging out there. Granted, they're like bolted to something, but like if the whole thing were to come in contact with ground, I guess I just hope that the the huge like the mass the mega fuses blow. Like I don't know, I guess they would. Like a dead short to ground would probably blow them. Um, maybe. What size are the wires going to the solenoid? Are they like 14 gauge or? Uh, I mean, you can look up like what the maximum current is on one of those wires if you dead short it. Like you could, there's like you can Google it and say like, well, what's like dead short current at 12 volts on this wire. The wire that powers it is probably like 14 or 16 gauge, but the actual wires themselves are like I don't know, like four or something i don't know yeah yeah going to the battery but like if the wires going to the solenoid that control it from the switch aren't fused and they short i'm pretty sure i did put a few i'm I'm nearly positive that that is a fused circuit also if not you should throw a fuse in there because why not it's just i did it i did it i think a few months ago and i can't remember fusing it but well, I'm pretty not, sure it's, it's not I've on used fire it. right now. I think you're good until you go look at it next. <laughs> I should I should probably double check and just make sure I fuse that Wonder. wire. Right there. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wiring. Um, yeah. So I I did that all nice, um, and I think that is probably what we're going to talk about. Not I already told you everything that I did, but we can talk about some of our tips and tricks for wiring stuff today. Uh, but before we get into that. I don't know when this is going to come out, but hopefully in time. I think it'll come out in time for the people to hear. Um, If you haven't bought a swag pack, do it now. Yeah, I think that if you're listening to this in the next, I don't know. what When do they have until? Is it August 1st? I think so, yeah, end of the month. Or yeah, or maybe uh, July 31st. I I can't remember. I wish I knew, but I just don't. We're bad hosts. Yeah, we really are. We don't even know. I don't even know what the podcast is called. I don't know what the website is called. <laughs> oh. Poor Swag Pack. I bet if I look it up right now, I can find the deets. Let's see. Blah, 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 blah. Swag Pack is, will close July 31st. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, I don't know, sometime this week, you're probably listening to this on like the 20th or the 21st, something like that. Um, you still have, you know, maybe maybe around a week-ish, maybe a week yeah. and a half to... Get your swag pack bought. What does get the swag some cool pack stuff. Get you. What does the swag pack get you? Let's see. It looks like mystery stickers. That's the most important part, really. Like, does any? Do yeah. I even have to say anything else, or is mystery stickers enough? I think that's enough. But if you're <laughs> if you are not interested in mystery stickers, then I mean, it is a hundred bucks. So yeah. let's be honest. Even if these stickers are very good, that's a lot of money. All right, it's a lot of money. So, All right. What do you get? You get mystery stickers. You get a bottle of Summershine Supply Ceramic Spray for, yeah. I think, a detailing. Let's see. Yes. What does it say? Something technology. I can't read it. Enhanced protection <laughs> and deep shine. I'm, I'm looking at the bottle, but it's kind of it's kind of great. Enhance. Enhance. You get a total off-road podcast trail flag. And these are <laughs> so much nicer than even the flags that we already have that are so nice. They're embroidered. Yeah, dude, I saw the picture that Kyle did. First of all, they're a little bigger. So if you had one of the original orange Total Off-Road podcast flags, they were screen printed. They were really nice, like thick nylon, way nicer than any trail flag you'll get at any off-road park. Um, And these are like, I don't know, a little bit bigger, not like too big um, and embroidered. So like they're legit. 
the the sonin eyelets were nice before and i know they were nice because i had that thing flapping in the wind going 70 down the interstate and it didn't even fray like it was insane and i'm thinking these are going to be even nicer uh i mean obviously the only time will tell but it looks like they're going to be a really nice flag um but the big thing is you get a exclusive like this is a one-time for this event core sweatshirt yeah uh hoodie i guess is the term i don't know what the kids call them these days sweatshirt I would call it uh, a hoodie, but for me, it's always zip up because I'm old and I don't like to pull stuff over my head. Uh, <laughs> but these are these are pullover hooded sweatshirts. Uh, they have the Total Opera Podcast logo and Core 2023 on the back. They're pretty so, legit. Yeah, and I think the, they're like good quality, like Gildan or something too. So like they'll be nice. In the last exactly, they're time. gonna be nice. They're not just some like junky sweatshirt that's gonna fall apart as soon as you wash it. They're nice stuff. So yeah. if you want to get in on that. You get all the swag, but you also have an opportunity to wheel with us in Iowa on private ground in September. Yes. And that or is the big thing. After note. Cater note. I'm the only <laughs> one that calls it that. Nobody else, nobody else wanted I to call, call it Cater note. Well, I know you do, Derek, and I love you for it, but <laughs> everyone else but, just wants to call it the complete off-road experience. Which I mean is fine, but it's, it's missing some <laughs> letters. <laughs> So, Derek, check this out. Checking. Nobody else can see this, but I'm gonna, but I'm gonna show Derek. Checking. Whoa! Wait, lift it up more. Whoa! Should I tell them what it is? It's the Snap-on, Snap-on Cool, cool box. box. Oh, that was bad. <laughs> so you a, do it. It's a Snap-on Cool Box. It's a, it's a Snap-on cooler called the Cool Box. It's a little six-pack cooler. And my Snap-on guy is going out of business. He's like changing careers or something. He's not going out of business. He does fine. And so he had these on the truck the other day, cheap. And I was like, must have. I thought I might use it for lunch, but instead I'm using it as a little tiny cooler to bring nice. beers to my room so that I don't have to have warm beer while I'm on the podcast. That's really smart. And it looks yeah. like a Snap-on toolbox. It looks like it's a Coleman toolbox. The, the funniest thing about this thing, though, like it's just very cool, no doubt. But so the lid, I'll show everybody. I'll post this on the trailers page. The lid opens up, right? Uh-huh. You flip Ooh, it over. Oh, my and God. Then, and then there's cup holders on here. But this is actually kind of hilarious because these cup holders are about three millimeters deep. So your beer just, I guess, Whoa. I guess stays there. Like, it's not going to stay there if you just flip it over. I, I, don't, wow. I don't get it. It's a useless feature, but it's funny. That's super cool. It's definitely neat, but also kind of silly. Does it's it a silly Coleman? feature. Does it say Coleman on the top too? Yeah, it's Coleman. That's fine. Yeah, so it's, it's not. Like it's Coleman not cheap. It's like, fun. Yeah, it's legit. That's what That's makes cool it though. extra expensive because you pay for a Coleman cooler with the Snap-on logo on it, so you pay twice. Yeah, yeah. and you have to pay for the little like fake drawers. Of course, you got to pay yeah. extra for that. They even have That's like what... chrome paint on them. Oh my god, it's amazing. It it, it does look really cool though. It's, it's a neat retro. Yeah, it was it was cheap. And uh, I had to have it. So cheers to that. What you drinking? I'm having a bum, 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 New Belgium 1985 IPA. Hmm, that sounds good. It, it's tasty. It's pretty juicy. You would like it. I think nice. anybody that's trying to dabble in IPAs would dig this one. New Belgium has been doing a lot of IPAs lately that are pretty I, juicy. I dabble a little bit. Um, I'm when gonna... I say that, though, I mean that they're juicy in that you're not getting that like harsh bitterness of like what totally. people think ipas are like a lot of the new belgium stuff has been like really fruity and juicy and just kind of like pleasant like there's no harshness to it totally dude check this shit out first what of the, all the, what what no what 
Oh, Modelo. Modelo, Chilada. No. Limon y Sal. But Chilada, though, do you know what you're in for right now? I've had this before. I love them. Okay, because Chiladas are definitely an acquired taste. Meh. I mean, I'm so, just saying that most people like wouldn't just like m- mow down on one of those. Yeah, yeah. Well, I bought it for a hot day, and it's fucking hot in my house right now. So, um, but it's not just a Modelo Chilada. It is a Modelo Chilada with hot sauce on the rim and tahini. You're insane. Why don't you just have a Bloody Mary at this point? Because this is in my fridge. <laughs> I don't have to make it. I'm kind of surprised you're having a chilada just because my only experience with chilada was many years ago. And I remember it had, oh, I think, I think it had clam juice in it. And yeah. And I don't know. It was just a little off putting. Okay. I get it. Um, You should try this one though. The one with the lime, the lime and salt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a lot less like tomato clammy. It's hmm. just like super duper refreshing. I believe they're pop- you. They're popular out here, so I got a I got a taste for it. I haven't seen anybody have one of those in so long that my only memory is that one time when we all tried one. We were just like, "Oh, oh, what's happening?" <laughs> I feel like we had one with Shane at one point. I mean, maybe we did. Maybe he had one. I don't know, but it's like absolutely fire with tahini around the room and hot sauce. So you do enjoy yourself a good Bloody Mary, then? Oh yeah. Love I can never keep track of which of my friends love them and hate them because it's one of those things that like you definitely do one of no one's like oh I dabble on Bloody Marys no you're either hardcore Bloody Marys or you don't <laughs> right. want anything to do with it or I, just, no I, just, I don't I don't drink them very often but when I do I go ham same in fact we were in Minneapolis we went to Hell's Kitchen and they had a Bloody Mary bar Ooh. and it was like all you can eat except <laughs> excuse me you get one Bloody Mary but you could put any toppings that would fit like i had so many toppings on my bloody mary i made a meal out of it almost yeah exactly like 20 bucks but like yeah yeah but there's like four chicken wings and some slices of pizza a couple chicken wings yeah it was pizza slice (laughs) and a six pieces of bacon and like uh exactly you make a meal out of it that doesn't make sense like a pick a giant pickle or something like that like it was amazing Dude, there was a place that me and steve went to one time it's been a long time and i have no idea what it was called in some little town around here and I should when I say around here, I should say in Illinois because it was back when we both lived in Illinois. And you could order the Bloody Mary with, with and you would just like check off the things you wanted on it. And the the it was literally just a meal. Like I mean, the chef, like the bartender would make the Bloody Mary. They just carry it back to the chef. And the chef would just put the things on it. So it had like nice. some freaking what do you call the little things? Like some taquitos and pizza. I think it had a cheeseburger <laughs> on it. Like oh it was just like it was the silliest thing you'd ever seen. But yeah, it was like. The Bloody Mary is the plate. Yeah, it was just the whole thing. You just ordered it, and then yeah, and it's just it's just wonderful. That's amazing. But even just a good Bloody Mary is good. Like even without anything in it, just just throw a pickle in it or some olives. That's that's all you need. As long as your recipe is right, that's all you need. Dude, I hope you some you could come out and visit me someday. Um, Man, I love California. I would love to come visit. There's this place. Well, I got an extra bed, but I know that's not the hard part. Um, there's this place up in the in the I was gonna say La Salle Mountains. We are not in Moab, in the Santa Cruz Mountains, which is like 30 minutes away, 35 minutes away, called Alice's Restaurant. Um, and first of all, it's up like the most amazing driving road ever, like super twisty, like just absolutely stunning. Like if you go like not during peak cycling season, 
you don't have to worry about running over bicyclists. Um, so you take like a sporty little car, which I have, and it's super fun. Um, but it's also just nice to drive up at a leisurely pace too. They like goes around some corners where like you get a view of the bay and then like into like a redwood grove and then back out into a, in a beautiful view of the bay. And then all of a sudden you're up on the peak of or the ridge of the mountain, small mountain range, very small, like maybe 1800 feet, 2000 feet. Um, and at one of like the main intersections of like Skyline Drive, which goes along the whole ridge. And then one of the roads up there is called Alice's Restaurant. And it's like a super awesome place to go on the weekends where there's like all kinds of car people that drove these roads and they all park their cars or their motorcycles up there. So there's tons of cool cars to look at. It's outdoor seating or indoor. There's not much indoor. Amazing food and the Bloody Marys are amazing. And you're just like, you have this beautiful view of these redwoods and stuff. It's like, it's so nice. It sounds like the perfect day. It's like the perfect day or like perfect morning. <laughs> I mean, you could like, I mean, Matt came out for like a, a Porsche event thing. And so he stayed with me and we went up there and we like zipped up there in the Mazda. I don't even know what we got like root beer floats or something. Like we're just, it was like, we can't come here and not buy something. Yeah, and then sure. like we zipped down really fast, probably the fastest I've ever gone. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely under the speed limit though. Uh, definitely. Um, it was so fun. It's just it's such a good road um, and just beautiful area. So I'll give you the treatment when you come out. Man, if we didn't have a kid, I'd already been out there. Shit, we'd have both already been out there. For sure. One of these um, days. One of these days. Um, yeah. How do we get on this? Micheladas. Micheladas <laughs> somehow ended up with you taking a winding road to a beautiful mountaintop restaurant. You know Bloody Mary's, man. <laughs> It's like it's this is like a Bloody Mary in a can with beer in it right now. Is how I would describe this. Yeah, I mean you could make a Bloody Mary with beer instead of I don't even know what it's called. I should. I mean, like a Bloody Maria is with tequila, and obviously the vodka is a Bloody Mary. But what is it when you make it like a Bloody Mary mixing beer? It's called something. Oh, I don't know. But I think I've tried it. I'm just not that big a fan of it. I love beer and I love Bloody Marys, but the combination's just not. You know, it's not my not my jam. I don't, I think it's, I think it's a Michelada. Oh, maybe that is it. Yeah. yeah Michelada or Michelada or Michelada. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. It's Michelada. But this, so this is like Modelo's Chilada. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Ah, it's getting spicy. I put a lot of hot sauce on this one. <laughs> yeah. I saw you were going a little ham over there. You need to calm it down, though. Derek. Good though. All right. Let's talk about spicy car things. Like burning your truck down? Yeah. Well, we already talked about that. Um, oh, okay. What else is spicy? Uh, fuses? Heat shrink? Hmm. Solder? Soldering? Solder is spicy. Solder is spicy. Yeah, for sure. All right. We're going to we're gonna make this episode the like electrical episode. And we are not electricians by any means or uh, even automotive electricians. I'm an automotive electrician. You are. I'm not. I mean, I'm certified in it. I'm not. I'm even hybrid electric certified. So I've got all the certifications. But if you try to ask me a technical question and expect a textbook answer, probably not going to get it. (laughs) This is your test, actually. Surprise. I I work for Toyota uh, now. (laughs) I guess I'm about to get fired. Um, no, I think we should, we're going to talk about wiring stuff. Cause like I did some recently and I actually kind of enjoyed it. Um, 
because I took my time. Wiring for me, like when I'm in a rush and I like, I have two choices, either half-ass it and do it the wrong way or like try and do it the right way quickly. And it just, it's just so difficult to do it the right way quickly without fucking it up. The problem is that if you're in a situation where you need to do it quickly, you reach for the butt connectors, right? And you say to yourself, you know what I'm going to do when I get home? I'm going to fix that right. And if it was you, honestly, Derek, if it was you, I believe that you would fix it right. And even if it was me say, oh, really? You're shaking. He's shaking his head. No, if it was me, I would. I guarantee you, I'd put a note on my phone at the top of the list. It would say, hey, remove that fucking butt connector, asshole. (laughs) And I would do it. I would I would I'd cut it off. I'd solder it. I'd shrink it. I'd never think about it again. But most guys, let's be honest, you're not going to go home. You're going to not you're not going to cut out the butt connector and fix it right. You're just going to go. It'll ride. So. I'm going to say something controversial. Um, first, first things first, actually. We were going to talk about Scotch locks. I've used <laughs> Scotch locks in my truck before. And I'll give you an example of a time that I didn't do what you said. Not only did I not do what you said, let me just tell you the story. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. Can't wait. Uh, so, for high mod on my truck, you like ground out one relay pin to another relay pin, and it like keeps the low beams on when you put your brights on. Um, and if you've got like HID headlights, you have to do that because you, if you turn your brights on and then you go back to low beams, you can't see shit for like 10 seconds. Yeah, yeah. Older, older HIDs. And so my truck has that. Um, when I was in Johnson Valley, we were driving and like that happened. Like whatever, I used a scotch lock to short these two pins together or two wires behind the um, the relay pins. And finally, just from all the vibration and like 10 years or more, it came loose. So before I stopped working, whatever, got was able to drive home, just didn't use the high beams. And then came back, fixed it with another scotch lock. <laughs> Is this under the dash, I hope? At least it's not in an open environment. It's under the fuse panel under the hood, so it's not like super <sighs> open. Yeah. It's not great, but I don't want to take it off to redo it because like it lasted 10 years the first time. It'll probably Derek, last you want to hear a funny time. story? Sure. So back in the day, I wanted to do a four high mod on one of my trucks. And I found out the easiest way to do that was like to eliminate power to the high beams entirely and to scotch lock one side of the wire into the low beams. Like, I don't even remember how I did this. Somehow I looked at the schematic. And I was like, I'll just make the high beams like the the you pull the thing back, the the, the you know, for your high mm-hmm. beams. I'll just make mm-hmm. that make the low beams power the also high beam. I can't remember how I did it. It's been so long since I did it, but you know how I did it? Scotch lock. Scotch lock under the dash, like yeah. on like the column, like where the high and the low beams met each other. And it's still like that to this day. Nice. So what it's if, something about four high mods and scotch locks that we have in common. It must I don't know. Be. <laughs> uh, the Mazda has a scotch lock from the factory. No. Yes. It's not a junction. It's not a, like a soldered, like a junction connector or like a splice point. It's literally a scotch lock. It is a scotch lock. And I was looking, I'm like, what does this go to? And it goes to something that like is just like dumb. I don't, I don't even remember. It was just like a light or something. I, no, it's not a light. I don't remember what it is. But I looked it up and I was like, oh, this is like factory. Or like I saw one at a junkyard or something like that. Not a Mazda Speed 3, but like a Mazda 3 hatch. And I was like, 
that has the same fucking scotch lock my car has or whatever i was like and i looked it up i was like holy shit this is factory that's so crazy i will say that occasionally and this is not factory occasionally a toyota accessory a genuine toyota accessory will gain its power from the scotch lock that must be what it is it might be like a genuine mazda accessory that like maybe only gets applied to north american cars or something like that like sometimes we'll install lighted door sills and it's not necessarily a scotch lock it's one of those that you crimp it down on the wire and it creates a t for the for a spade terminal to go into but that's kind of a scotch lock, right? Yeah, I think it's that's not necessarily exactly that, but it's basically a scotch. Yeah, lock. it's not using like a knife to cut through the insulation, and then it eventually will cut through the copper wire. But it's not much better. It's but not much it's better. Better enough for OEMs to use it for aftermarket after on an interior circuit. Yeah, it's not the worst thing in the world if it's like a low amperage application. Yeah, I mean, my thing was like, if the scotch lock fails, like, oh no, I don't have high beam. Big deal. Yeah, if, if it fails, it doesn't cause a short. It just might not cause it to work. Yeah, it's all low. It's a, it, they're ground wires, first of all, um, is why I did it this way. So keeps it grounded or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I gen, generally don't use scotch locks. Um, better way to do it, and this is still like not the best way to do it, is to use like one of those add a circuit things where it like mm. plugs into the fuse and then now it has two fused things problem with that is you're you need to make sure that the total current now by both fuses is less than that circuit or than those wires can handle so that you're not over that's the problem yeah you're you're taxing like the fuse block itself past its operation point yeah because the wires going into it if it's a 10 amp circuit is designed to handle whatever amount of amps it is probably more than 10 but regardless if you're adding another 10, you're all automatically, you know, asking double of the circuit itself, in which case yeah. you might end up frying your junction box, which is way more serious than just right. like your aftermarket shit that you can easily replace. So like on the Mazda, it came with like dealer installed heated seats. And you could tell that they were smart about it because they th- <laughs> one of them is in the sunroof port which my Mazda doesn't have a sunroof, so that's oh, great. Oh, so that's actually pretty yeah, smart. really nice. Um, and then the other one is like uh, air conditioning something, <laughs> which, again, heated seats, probably not using them with the air conditioning. I haven't had any issues in the car. is 170,000 miles. but um, So they like took some logical approach to it, like, oh, if you're using heated seats, it's probably winter. Use this, you know, or use these circuits or whatever. But... Sunroof is interesting, though, especially since your car doesn't have one, because that's probably like a 20 or 30 amp circuit. And so it's like, yeah, that's enough. Perfect. Yeah, they, they could have done probably both heated seats off of that one circuit if they wanted to, but mm-hmm. probably just easier to put two out of circuits in and crimp one wire to it or whatever. So, OK, so speaking of crimping wires, so back to butt connectors. Um, before the record, when I modified the relay thing, I actually did solder and heat shrink. Um, but. I've done some research and I think for automotive applications, you're better off using like a good quality butt connector with the proper crimper, not that garbage that you buy at advanced auto. Um, because if you think about it, when have you seen solder on an automotive electrical connection from any factor from the factory? Just splice points. What do you mean? 
Splice points. Like teas? No, splices. I mean, like a, a literal solder connection from the factory. I, I've never seen one on a GM. Toyota's everything. Like everything uses splice points. So you'll occasionally have like, say, the grounds for your coils. They just, a wire goes in and then there's a big old ball of solder where they're all soldered together and then they all go out and they all ground the same thing. Your coils? Like for your... Yeah, ignition coils. Oh. Splice points. I, I mean, if I... you look at it, if you were to tear the harness apart, it would just be like a big wire going into like a huge gob of what looks like just a piece of heat shrink with like the goo coming out of the ends and then the wires mm-hmm. coming out the other end. That's a splice point. Okay. All right. Well, I stand corrected. Um, I think the OEMs do use solder connections, basically, is what I'm saying. So if it uses like heat shrink that's got the goo in it, that that helps because the reason why solder makes it waterproof, but it also provides support because the biggest reason that solder joints fail is because where the solder ends, it's usually like pretty sharp. And so when, when it bends and vibrates and stuff over its life, that's where it breaks is right at the edge of the solder. But that's why um, you use heat shrink. Well, yeah. Um, heat shrink adds some stabilization. It does, but not as much as just not having solder in the first place. True. So like most pin connectors and a lot of like even some splice points or like on a GM, you'd have like multiple wires going into one pin connector that are all crimped together. Yeah. yeah. Solder. Um, so but connectors is like the same concept. And I think if you use good quality butt connectors, you're probably okay. I recently bought, so for like, like ring terminals, I recently bought a, a, a set of ring terminals that comes with heat shrink on them, but it's like thick heat shrink. So it's like, you know, um, a step above the like insulated ring terminal, crimp ring terminals. And so you crimp it down and then you like heat it, but then it's, the heat shrink is adhesive on the inside, so it like, and it like goes it has over the, the wire enough. It has the goo. So. I mean, I don't know what else to call it, but that's what we call it at work. We say it's the heat shrink with the goo. So I still have never encountered these except in an OE application. Like sometimes we'll get uh, some sort of wire repairs, mostly GM stuff, where you have butt connectors. Like say you're doing a, uh, what's it called? A blower motor resistor mm-hmm. on a GM. Well, the problem is the connector's burned. So when you get the new resistor, it comes with the new connector. It comes with butt connectors. But these butt connectors, and this is a recent thing that I, I know they've existed a long time. I haven't seen them. The butt connectors, the insulation, shrinks and has the goo in it. So you just butt connect. It's amazing. Eat it, shrink it, goo, good. It protects it from the elements. It adds rigidity. Like It does all the things. Well, I've just never had those. Like I've never gone to an automotive store and purchase a set of butt connectors with that feature. And I think yeah. that's actually a pretty great idea because the crimp yeah. is a pretty good connection. Of course, the flaw with the butt connector is that then it's exposed to the elements. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the best. The best way is like butt connector or crimped ring terminal or crimped terminal, whatever, with the heat shrink with the goo. The goo. The goo. I've um, still been thinking about getting. Okay. So I'm sure you've run into this. You're working on a taillight circuit. Oh, man. Wires broke, corroded, whatever. I need to fix this. I'll go Mm. grab the soldering iron. Nothing you can do will make that wire take solder. And you're like, 
but I don't want to butt connect it because I want a good connection. I want to solder it. Nothing you can do. So there's non-insulated. Uh, they're not even called butt connectors. They're called non-insulated terminals, not insulated crimps. Arrows? It's, it's just a butt connector without the little plastic guy on the outside. It's a yeah, non-insulated butt connector. Yeah, it's a f- I like I think they're called fair F E R R L U sorry F E R R U L E I know the term but I feel like that's I don't know hold on non insulated Yeah they're fair oh that's like a non insulated butt connector so maybe that is what they're called they're just called non insulated butt connectors okay, okay. great I didn't know that's what they were called but that is what they're called it's now great you know. because it creates you know you put your your wires in there you crimp it down it's great and then if you can get a hold of it, um, the heat shrink that has the goo in it. I've had a mixed bag of experience with ordering that stuff on Amazon because some of it's like, I've got the goo. And some of it doesn't. Or glue, I think they said glue inside. Yeah, some of them don't. They just straight up don't. And other ones have actually been really good. I wish I'd been keeping better track of which ones are good and which ones aren't. Uh, but regardless, if you buy actual good heat shrink that's got the glue inside is very expensive like if you go yeah. to a reputable brand like gardner bender or something oh yeah you're like um excuse me uh excuse you because that <laughs> shit is expensive as hell like you're like i'm not gonna spend like five dollars like per you know connection to do this yeah i mean i got some on amazon three to one shrink dual wall adhesive shrink tubing kit six sizes for 11 bucks and i just used it on the thing and it like works really well so it is <laughs> it is called millipeak m-i-l-a-p-e-a-k some chinese junkie brand but it works and it's not crazy expensive i mean I don't, we'll see how long it lasts but got decent reviews so so that's just like normal heat shrink tube with the goo. You do need a special crimp tool for that. Like you could probably use your run of the mill crimp tool for the non insulated connectors, but there definitely is a special tool just for that. That actually is like a C and another C and it crimps it like over itself like this. Yeah. Like yeah. rather than being like flattening it or like two dimples in one dimple, it's like two crescents that go into each other. And somehow, yeah. yeah, that ends up being the the best way to get the wires to really hold tight. It definitely is because it and it also breaks through any oxide layer because it like scratches the copper against the inside of the crimp and like, oh, yeah. the wires against each other and so on and so forth. And then like the edge of it is probably radius, so there's no like sharp edge. Like you know, it's engineered, right? There's a reason for it. I mean, I did use the flat like crimp on mine but it's three amps too so it's been really interesting because like the more current you're running the more important it is to have a good like joint like absolutely and soldering is the best way to have like a low resistance joint but for most low voltage stuff like you're not driving the car with these circuits so they're okay to like just be crimped um i still feel like every time i do something i just want to solder it i think that's been one of the biggest hurdles that i've run into with doing the ls swap 
is I want to integrate the factory harness into the new harness or like I want everything to be clean. But the way I've always done it before is I just I'm like, here I am. And then I cut it and I just solder another wire into it wherever that needs to go and shrink it and go on my merry way. But the best way to do it would probably be to run a wire all the way to the connection and then add a connector. Yes. It would it would be better, but it's just not the way I've ever done things. And don't get me wrong, I've never had any issues with my connections. Everything's always been fine. Solder, shrink, go on your merry way. I mean, on the 91, you're probably fine to do it the way you're most familiar with because you're not going to drive it a whole lot either, right? Like, it's not something you need to last like 250,000 miles. Yeah, I mean, I guess not, but I'd like to do something right the first time. I just feel like that's always, in my experience, been just fine. Solder shrink, let it go. I don't think it's so wrong either. It's just like, if you had the choice of using the right crimp tool and a crimp connection versus soldering, that would be the right choice. But I also think, to your point, if you're using the wrong crimper to crimp something, that's not better than soldering either. Yeah, you definitely have to have the right crimping tool. And the generic one that everyone has one laying around, it's pretty good for your run-of-the-mill insulated butt connectors and spade terminals and all that that aren't waterproof. But I don't know how good it is on, say, a waterproof one. Because I I never used them. I used waterproof ones when I did this one. And uh, ring terminals. Um, And they seemed, it seemed to do fine. It was like really hard plastic. And then when you hit hit it with a lighter, it like starts, it takes a long time to heat up and start to shrink. It's not like heat shrink. It's like thick plastic. Yeah, yeah. It does shrink down ultimately. And it like goes from like translucent to like almost clear. It's weird. Yeah, and you can like watch the like suck to the wire yeah, and like the, exactly. the insulation. You can see the yeah, it's go of, away. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's kind of a satisfying process. So for um, I have I have hardwired in a connection into injunction into a junction block that I have in the truck for running my um my air compressor, um, and when I first did it. I used an, a Dean's plug from an RC car because they're like high current. Yeah, they small. are. They're like rated to 60 amps, which is insane. But they're not insulated very well and they're very easy to short. Um, and there's a lot of metal in my cab because of the roll cage. So I was like, I don't yeah. love this. Uh, I found Anderson connectors and I think a lot of people are probably familiar with them. But for those those who aren't, hopefully you know what like a forklift battery connector looks like um a lot of people will use them to run winches and stuff like that they're very high current they're not waterproof but they're like you could submerge them right it's 12 volts um, yeah yeah if you absolutely had to but they're super high current they make smaller ones though and so i have like a 30 or 60 amp anderson connector on my air compressor now um and the cool part about them is that you can make them as many pole as you want so like this one's just two but you could have like you could ha- you can like gang them together and you could have like four or six plugs all in one and they like snap together which is really nice and they unsnap really like nicely um and they're fully like you'd have to like stick a screw two screwdrivers in there to short it um so like the metal is like pretty far, far back in the plastic connector which is kind of neat um so highly recommend um they're not the cheapest but 
again, it's one of those things where it's like to do it right, either costs money or takes a long time. So this is one what are the waterproof money. connectors that everybody uses? Weather pack. So what are they called? Weather pack. W e a t h e r p a k. Weather pack. I've never used these before, but I feel like they would be. Yep, that's exactly what I was thinking of. I feel like those would be really handy to have I, like a kit. Oh, Eastern, you can buy like a whole kit, the crimping tool and everything. Oh, that's nice. Oh, that's really nice. I see the one you're talking about. Go to Eastwood. It's like a hundred bucks and it's like a complete kit comes with looks like several connectors and sizes and they're waterproof comes with the tool comes with Amazing. the terminals. That seems like if you were going to do some outside the truck connections, <laughs> That you wanted to be removable, obviously. You want to make your stuff modular. You, that's always my issue is I, I, I hardwire everything. So then I'm like, oh, I'm just going to remove that real quick. No, I'm not. I'm right. going to like <laughs> snip it off and I'm going to resolder it later, right? So it'd be so nice to make stuff modular where you can just quickly unplug it, but it's also waterproof. But I've never so, used these. I feel like it's a good idea. I've just never done it. I have. My whole rock light setup is done with not they're knockoff weather pack connectors but they're but they, cheap yeah, same concept you. right you you slide the little rubber thingy on the wire <clears throat> you then crimp the wire to the terminal you slide the rubber thing on you crimp the rubber seal onto the crimp as well and then you shove it into the the plastic connector and you do that for each each pin and wire and so on and so forth and the reason i did that on the rock lights was because they get filled with water or they get knocked off by a rock or something like that, you know, they're cheapo Amazon lights. It's so much easier to just take a new light in the garage, crimp on two little pins, slide the connector on, unbolt it from the truck, bolt the new one back on, boom, back on the road. No soldering under the truck, mm -hmm. no heat shrinking, no nothing. You just it's and then the connector, the connection rather, is fine all the time. Um, and it worked really well. I, I, I will say I should have bought this Eastwood kit because. I continue to do it with very carefully with regular crimpers that aren't made. Oh, for you're not using the tool designed to so specially crimp these, the wire to the. Yeah, I take these little <laughs> pliers and I bend the terminal a little oh, bit shit. and then I put it into my like blue Irwin crimper and I crimp it a little bit and then I rotate it and then I rotate it and then I smash it down and then I do it again for the next one. And it's just such a pain in the butt, but it works. And I do give it a nice tug to make sure it's like on there because I've had connections where I've done that before. And like, why is it flickering? And then I would like hold the wire in a certain way. It would stop flickering and like, oh, the connector's bad. I did a bad crimp. But yeah, um, that's a nice kit for only a hundred bucks. Like that's totally worth it. Um, that's the right way to do it. And there may be other kits like this on Amazon that also have the proper tool for it. I don't know. It just so happens that the Eastwood kit is the one I saw right away. But it looks nice. Yeah, I mean, there's like an Astro Pneumatic one that's 87, but why wouldn't you go for the Eastwood one if you're going to do that? Yeah, if you're going to spend, you know, Eastwood is good stuff. So, like, why not? Now, the Delphi one, which is the legit brand, is $500. Ooh, well, <laughs> but yeah. it comes with how many does it come with? 21 single pin connectors, 20, 70 dual pin connectors. Um, that says looks like it says three, but I think it's really thirty triple connectors, and yeah, there's a whole bunch of shit. 
The seaside kit looks nice, but I'm trying to figure out how much stuff actually come in here in the box. Two sets. Yeah, I don't know. I'm like, how many actual twenty crimp terminals? So that's like twenty wire ends, right? Male crimp terminals, male and female for eighteen to so twenty for eighteen to twenty gauge wires, twenty for fourteen to sixteen gauge wires, and twenty for twelve gauge wires. But then how many? Yeah, I'm looking day. at the terminals and I'm trying to figure out like there's some threes, some fours, some four side by side, some four squares. They don't, they don't come, this one doesn't come with very many housings. Yeah, the, that's the thing. Is it, it comes with it a comes handful with all the of them. Tool. Yeah, it comes with all the crimp tools and you can buy the housings later. Like That's true. Know, Either way, it's a good idea and I should probably jump on that. It's not a bad idea for sure. Instead um, of just soldering everything like I've always done, making my life yeah. hard. It is nice to have that like disconnectability, I gotta say. For sure. Um, yeah, because I even when I did the 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 relays for the rock light setup, I actually have I have two sets. So like I have the front rock lights and then the right side of the truck rock lights are on one terminal. Or sorry, one circuit. And then I have the left side of the truck and then the back rock lights on a different circuit. So they're like roughly evenly matched. Mm-hmm. And so there's two plugs coming up into the um, fuse box. And so I just, I put two terminals onto this relay kit. That's all. And I can just, it's nice. It just comes right out. Um, So yeah, highly recommend that like fake weather pack kit by Eastwood or, or whoever. Um, Or spend, I mean, if you really want nice shit, get the Delphi one, but it's just a lot more expensive. Um. And doesn't really go with the whole more saws all less research vibes of the podcast. Yeah, if you were gonna go with the vibes of the podcast, you just get some of those low temperature melt solder butt connector things, right? Nice. Or you mean, just never do any work at all, and you just use like a lighter to just make all your solder connections from now I th- on. I think to go with the more saws all less research vibe of the podcast, you just like take a wire, bare wire in and run a bolt down onto the frame. That's your ground. Nice. And then you just shove it into your battery terminal and then you just tighten it that way. Or positive 12 volt side. Is it, is it too good? Is the quality too good? If you take two wires and you twist them around each other and then you wrap it in electrical tape and you call it waterproof. Is that actually too good? No, I think that's okay. Is that like about the quality of more saws all rest less research? I think so. That's like that's like fancy more saws all less research because of the electrical tape, right? Correct. Yeah. Because Definitely. if you just left it open, like you left a live circuit laying on your frame, which is entirely ground. Yeah. That would be more saws all less research. Yeah, probably. Probably, duct tape would be like somewhere in there, but electrical tape's nice. That's definitely a little bit too bougie for us. Almost too nice, yeah. Um, <laughs> right, so- but you mentioned the like low temperature solder heat shrink combo things. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought a set, and I was actually considering using it for the um the three up fuses that I put in line with that that kit. Um, but I couldn't find it, so I even just saw it on Amazon when I looked through my order history. You ordered one, and you have no idea where you put it. I remember using it for something, not on the <laughs> truck. I don't remember what I used it for, and I don't know where it is. We've moved since I ordered it, so like you know how that goes. But I still have never used one of those ever. But it I heard was, they're good. It seemed like they work. I, I probably wouldn't use it under the hood, and I don't know why. Um, 
but like low temperature solder being under the hood when it's like 250 degrees sometimes or 240 degrees sometimes is like maybe not okay but i don't know so when i bought my trailer the guy i bought it from was a tech at a trailer store and he told me they use those exclusively to make trailer wire repairs he's like we don't solder we don't buck neck we use just these it's like those low tone. Now, granted, they might have had a nicer version of them. They probably weren't buying the like cheapest Amazon special version. But yeah, right. he's like, nope, stick it in there, heat it. It not only solders it, it also seals it. He's like, good to go. Never had a failure. They are pretty cool because they have that like, it's not just glue. It's got like an O-ring. That, yeah. Like, that seals to the like uh, insulation of the wire, which is pretty neat. I mean, it seems like a good idea. I've just never used one firsthand still to this day, so I'm still skeptical. I have used them. I forget. What did I use them for? <laughs> oh, maybe my... Um, yeah, I think it was my um, my UHF VHF radio. I think I used those to wire into an existing like circuit. Rather than using a scotch lock, mm-hmm. I used that. And it so you're saying you ran well. two wires into one side of it? yes i had two wires on sorry one wire going to my cb and then sorry i had one wire going to my cb i cut it and then i had one wire going into the soldery thing and then a wire going from the cb or to the cb and then a wire going to the uhf vhf radio to power them both you're doing a two into one circuit yes correct and you use those and it's been fine it's been fine I believe so, at least. I don't know. I'll have to go look and take a picture of it or something. I guess so. Mm, yeah, I bought it in 2019, so the timing works. That was right before... That was the year before Ultimate Adventure. Hmm. I mean, they seem like a neat idea. I guess maybe a disadvantage is if you need to take that apart, you lose, I don't know, like two inches of your circuit. Right, because you, you can't take you it apart; with, you just cut it all off. Yeah, but you do that with you would with solder and adhesive over uh, heat shrink as well. But you could just cut the heat shrink off and unsolder a circuit. Not if it's adhesive, have you ever tried to? Have you ever successfully cut off adhesive heat shrink? I have, but it did suck. Yeah, well, I guess if you heat it up, you could potentially make it. Re- I think it's just razor blade to get through it, and it kind of oh. pried it apart, and it wasn't pretty, but. It was just like a I had to do it situation. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is no different than solder. Like you could take the time to like undo it undo and then it. You yeah, could I guess unsolder it with a soldering iron, right? I would imagine. I mean, why not, right? If it's low temp solder, it's not like it's not gonna right. you know heat up and let go the second time unless it's some weird one time use shit that I don't know about. I'm saying. Um yeah. So would love to hear people's experiences with the the heat shrink solder. Maybe you'll make Mike a believer out of you or out of it, out of you. I don't know. You might. Um, and then let's see. I have <laughs> I have wiring fun. Crimp first solder. We talked about that. Heat shrink solder, easy things. We talked about those just a second ago. Scotch locks, we talked about those. Anderson connectors. The last topic I have on here is fuse your shit. We kind of talked about that, mm-hmm. but I got to say, I really never thought because I take my time wiring things and fusing them that this that my truck would have almost caught on fire. 
So I guess I'm going to say my last words now, even though it's not the end of the podcast. Fuse your <laughs> shit. Um, and actually, I'll go into a little bit of of like detail on that because I was a fuse engineer for a while, 10 years. Um, there's ways to like, I won't go into the whole fusology, but you can like figure out what amperage is safe for the gauge of wire that you're using, which is important for you to know based on how much current your device, whatever it is, light bar, uh, alternator, whatever is creating, how much current it's creating, because current is heat. Voltage doesn't matter. Current is heat, and that's what makes a fuse work. So if your light is taking, let's just say, 100 amps, which is a ton, it wouldn't take 100 amps. Let's say it takes 10 amps, trying to make the numbers easy. And thanks. You want to make sure that you use a fuse that is obviously higher than 10 amps, um, but you don't want to just put a 10 amp fuse on it because when your vehicle is hot and it's hot outside, that fuse might not actually be able to hold 10 amps. So you typically you want to just go to the next size up, like a 15 amp. Um, but you need to make sure that the wiring is the right gauge as well. So you need to select wiring that can withstand 10 amps all the time. And you can Google that. Um, pretty easily, like what gauge for what amperage. Um, but the quick the Derek, thing I have that, a 14 gauge wire. How many amps can it handle? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I always look it up. So, um, but one thing to keep in mind is that if you have too small of a wire and too big of a fuse, the wire could become the fuse, which is what happened on my truck, right? I had like, I don't know, 22 gauge wire going to the switch and it shorted and it wasn't drawing enough current to blow a 30 amp fuse and the reason for that is because that wire is really small gauge it's really high resistance so now i'm going to get really nerdy ohm's law is i don't even remember v equals ir and so i is current r is resistance v is voltage you always have 12 volts so if your resistance is high your current is low um and so the tiny little wire was probably too high of resistance to make the current be 30 amps or above. It was probably mm. like 20 amps. And so the wire ultimately caught on fire, or like didn't catch on fire, but it was getting so red hot that it was melting the insulation, and ultimately it melted the copper wire. Um, and it melted your airlines, apparently, which I'm not yeah, sure we ever got back to, but we didn't the get wire back to was that. touching the airline, and that's why the airline melted. I think the wire like fell down onto the airline. Wow. Yeah. That so, must have been pretty hot. Yeah. Well, copper's melting point is about a thousand degrees Celsius, so eighteen hundred degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, yeesh. So it was hot, <laughs> um, and that's why car fires happen, or that's why electrical fires happen. Rather, um, is copper melts at a very high temperature, usually higher than the temperature of the material surrounding it. Always higher than the temperature surrounding. Uh, uh, always higher temperature than the materials melt temperature or fire temperature surrounding it derek you just nerded out so hard that i'm gonna have to fire sale our partner companies do it fire sale in alphabetical order complete off-road stuff crawler off-road recovery more flight air off-road anonymous fabrication rad designs maybe shifters summer shine supply shiny wait what'd you say for off-road anonymous cups 
fabrication. I said cups. I said cups. Fuck, I should have said cups. I think you said fabrication. You should have said cups. I should have said cups. That was pretty amazing, though. I got to give you props for that. I had to write them down in order because I was like, there's no way I'm going to remember. Did I forget any? Did I get them all? Yeah, you got them all. Complete crawler, Morphlate, Offer Anonymous, Rad Designs, Summershine Supply. And actually, Rad Designs is the one that's still... I'm still not sure if they're a partner company, but Steve has been recently like, yeah, they are. And I'm like, okay, cool. They are now. Good on you, Rory. All right. Yep. <laughs> I think that's it. That's it for this episode of episode 178 of the Total Offer Podcast. And we'll Join catch us on you. Join Patreon. Do that, actually. We'll catch you. Uh, sorry I keep interrupting on, you, Derek. You can finish it uh, now. Can you? <laughs> we'll catch you on the trail. Can't oh, do it. I was, I was gonna get a crack out of this. <laughs> All right.